Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be here every week uh, sitting down with some wonderful women in the Philadelphia area as well as across the country who are doing some great things in business. And I'd like to take a quick moment to um, give a shout-out to my wonderful sponsors who are a big part of um, why I'm here and how I'm here. And um, they are Walgreens, the Mutual Fund Store, InSource Technologies, and RBC Wealth Management, um, all of who share my mission to support women in business. So I want to say thank you to them. Um, today in the studio, I'm with a wonderful woman um, who I met at, a, at an event a couple weeks ago, and her name is Deborah Tustin, and Deborah is the financial advisor with Wells Fargo Advisors. So thanks so much for being here today, Deb. I'm so happy to be here today. Um, the first thing I'd like to do is, is get to know a little bit more about you and, um, and your background, because um, I know you kind of on a um, business level and not really a personal level. So talk a little bit about where you grew up and where you went to school. Well, I grew up in upstate Pennsylvania, up in the coal regions. And okay. um, then as a going to school, we came down to Quakertown. So grew up in Quakertown, uh, North Penn, Lansdale area, um, mm-hmm. north of Philadelphia area. Uh, most of my life. Uh, growing up um, in a very um, small town at the time, Quaker Town, and uh, then moved to, uh, I guess, a North Penn Lansdale area mm-hmm. where my mother owned her restaurant. Oh, okay. Tell me about that. Your mom owned a restaurant. Well, she owned a restaurant. Uh, my mother and father were divorced, and so she started her own restaurant by herself uh, with five kids, and it was very, very successful. And what we found was that worked very, very hard. Um, and as I, um, you know, learned later is that, and that's one of the reasons why I was getting into the financial area is that she really didn't take care of her financial needs. She was extremely smart. She knew exactly how to get a fantastic business, um, very successful business. And she had people coming from all over just to eat at her establishment. So it was, was one the of the name fun. Of the at the time it was called the, uh, lamplighter. Yes. It's on 309, um, it's, as of course, it's no longer there. Mm-hmm. But it was very, very uh, famous in this area in the late 60s. So that's how I grew up um, with the restaurant. And were all five children involved working in there? And Most of us, could? either cleaning dishes or bussing tables or, you know, doing whatever, cleaning up um, the bar area afterwards, you know, just cleaning up. I mean, right. was, uh, my family has been in the restaurant business most of their lives. Right. Even my grandparents had some kind of bar and restaurant up in the uh, the coal regions. Oh, okay. That's a tough business. That's very tough. a lot of hours, um, very labor intensive. And it's interesting to me, you're saying your mom really didn't kind of pay attention to the finances, but she had five children and she was running a <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> so know. that's about all she could fit in. Yes, it was. So um, tell me about um, your school years. Where did you go to high school? High school, uh, I went to North Penn High mm-hmm. in Lansdale and then also St. Maria Gretti's in Philadelphia. Okay. And during those years, um, you know, growing up in the restaurant business, that has, you know, it takes up a lot of time as a family. (laughs) Were you saying to yourself as a young girl, this is something maybe I'll get into or this is something I want to run from? At the time, it was more as I really liked the restaurant business. Uh, It was very hard work. Uh, All of us worked very hard. But um, at the time, it was how I was going to help my mom really get better at what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And that was really my, my thoughts. Um, and helping her run it. Tell me, how did your mom get into 
to the restaurant business? How did she land that? Well, I think it's her growing up also in the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. uh, her mom and dad was, um, you know, had one of the, um, well, I think about it now, I, I kind of laugh, but they did it in the, um, <laughs> they're going back to the speakeasy days, you know, as far as having uh, the restaurants up in the, the Poconos. Right. So it was one of those, um, she grew up her whole life in the restaurant business. So it was just a very natural uh, way for her to go. But it was kind of strange because she was a model in most of her younger years. So that was her career was being modeling. And then yeah. after she retired from that, that's when she went in the restaurants. Yeah. And how to, you know, that's always, I always think a good example for, for girls growing up if mm -hmm. their mother is working outside of the house, you know, um, in addition to raising the children. Was that something that had an impression on you watching your mom uh, work and work very hard, I'm sure? It did. I think it gave me at least, uh, I think so, my work ethic. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, it's one of the reasons why I got in this business because she died unexpectedly very early in her life. And I saw how she had worked so hard and trying to uh, really build her business. But what she didn't do was really take the time or didn't really know about investments and mm -hmm. how she was going to leave a legacy for her children. Mm -hmm. She thought her business was going to be her legacy. And what happened is uh, because of her sudden death, um, we were left with really nothing. And I remember, you know, her going out. And what happened at the time was restaurant uh, people support each other. So she was going out and supporting another restaurant, and she didn't come back. And so it was one of those things I was left with um, my brothers and sisters and figuring out what we were going to do. Wow. So it's one of the reasons why I got into the financial services mm -hmm. is that I never wanted that to happen to me. So I wanted to make sure that I was going to be secure and yeah. other women on the same level. Yeah, that's interesting. And were you the oldest of the five? I was the oldest. I you was 16. The, yeah, that's a lot of responsibility. And uh, I, un I understand you went to uh, Penn, the Wharton School of yes. Business, and got your degree. So that was very um, purposeful that you... That very you purposeful for me. I wanted to find out what the best school was uh, at the time. And, you know, I figured, well, I'm going there. Well, that, that's <laughs> not an easy school to get into. So no. you must have worked very hard. I did. I worked a full-time job and worked school at night. Where did you work while you were in school? Um, Gerard Bank at the time. Okay. And also INA, which okay. is now Cigna. Yeah. And your siblings, where did they end up in their career paths? All over. All over? Yeah. No, no, none of my brothers or sisters are in finance. Okay. They're in different areas, but has nothing to do, and they're not in the restaurant business either. Okay. So tell me some of the activities that you were involved in other than your academics when you were at Penn. Um, at Penn, it was really not too many more academic uh, activities. Um, it was more just really working and getting through school. I can't say I had a lot of more extra time to do very much of anything right. else. Right. And then um, your first job out of college. First job out of college, um, I would say it would be Chase Manhattan Bank at the time. In Philadelphia? In Philadelphia. Uh -huh. um, Chase opened an office here in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and so I was privileged to work with them opening their office. Okay. And let me ask you this. Um, that's, you know, just going back for a minute, that's a lot um, that you took on as a youngster. Um, and I'm wondering if there was someone who was mentoring you, guiding you through those years. You know, mom was running the restaurant. You're the oldest mm -hmm. of the five kids. Who was there for you um, to help you? My dad. Even okay. even though they were divorced uh, after we were um, separated. And I went to live with my father. And oh, my brothers okay. and sisters went to live with their different fathers. Mm-hmm. And what did Dad do? What kind of business was he involved in? He was um, a probation officer for the city. Okay. So he was the chief um, probation officer at the court system here. Right. And um, 
So I, I want to know if you had growing up, you know, thinking about the, the finances and wanting to go into that field, was there any ever any other aspiration that you had? Had you not felt that responsibility, responsibility and need to learn about finances that you thought about doing? Well, not really. I mean, I guess I was very practical. It was more of a practical. <laughs> you seem wanted. very practical. It was very practical. But the other side of me is um, I made my own clothes. So I designed my own clothes. So you that did. was so that was the other side. You know, um, if I wanted a new suit, I used to laugh as I used to design my own and then go make my suit and go to work. Wow. That's a big deal. <laughs> it's very, you know, you have this creative side and then right. the very practical. And so did you do anything with that aside from, from designing for yourself? Um, afterwards, um, after getting my degree at Wharton, I went back for interior design. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have a degree in that also. You do? Okay. <laughs> I love that. Well, <laughs> I can, I, I kid sometimes. I can help you with your finances. Right. And it can also help you with your design, color design for your yes. house too. Yes. Well, it's very important. <laughs> you know, we need to look good and, you know, when you're Absolutely. playing the part, it makes you feel better. Absolutely. Um, so tell me, you, um, you're married. Yes. And do you have children? I have two. Okay, and tell me what they what they do. Um, I have um, a, a boy. He's uh, 25 now, Joe, and he works for uh, AT and T out in Denver, Colorado. He has oh. his dream job out in the dream place. It's beautiful. Yes. I, I have cousins out there. Yeah. It's so beautiful. he skis, and uh-huh. that's his main goal. Um, my daughter's a senior at Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. and she plays lacrosse for okay. Vanderbilt. And what is she studying? Communications mm-hmm. with a um, business minor. So I'm not exactly quite sure what she's going to do yet. Yeah. But she's a great communicator. Good, good. She can come. She can I know. come and sit <laughs> no. in here if she wants to see a little bit about radio. I know. Yeah. Um, have, did you talk to your daughter growing up about um, career paths and how, um, you know, how it is a little bit more difficult for women in, in their careers um, to kind of make a place for themselves? Did you have those conversations? Um, some, but not really. I think as a mom, it's kind of hard sometimes. We, I think she always looked, you know, what was going on, you know, so she's very driven. She's a very driven person. But I don't think we really sat down and talked so much as where, financially, where she was going to go. Right. But she saw you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you were quite, you know, a role model for her, um, seeing that, you know, mom was doing something in addition to raising my brother mm-hmm. and I at home. Mm-hmm. So um, after, uh, so your first job out of Penn it was with... Um, well, after graduating, it was with Chase. Right. Um, but some of my other jobs were um, Gerard Bank, okay. um, Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. So it's mm-hmm. been all the banking industries I, and insurance industries. I see industries. that. And, ha- and how does that work that you go spend a couple of years at one bank and then move on to another? How does that work? Well, I think at the time, it wasn't so much that you went on to another place. There was a lot of mergers and acquisitions. So one thing I learned through this whole process is to be very quick that you could assess the situation and then move on because every place that I've worked for uh, was merged with somebody else. Okay. So Gerard became Mellon. Um, INA became Cigna, moved up to Hartford. So all the mergers and acquisitions, the company left Philadelphia and moved on to someplace else. Okay. And, you know, not knowing that much about banking, it Mm -hmm. seems to me there is an incredible number of banks out there today. You know, in some towns you have three different banks on three different corners. And I, I don't understand how they compete or thrive um, in small communities like that. Well, I think the banking industry has changed so much, and there's always new names that are evolving. Um, Gerard, as I said, became Mellon. Uh, Wells is from First Union, Wachovia. So it's becoming a merger, larger 
company. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the smaller ones are the more um, regional. So there's a difference between regional and national. Right. Okay. Um, Tell me a little bit about some of the things that are challenging for you in your work on a day-to-day. Anything that comes across your mind that just you find... I know that you love your work, and we're going to talk later about mm-hmm. something really wonderful that you're doing. But what are some of the challenges that you face in a day-to-day in the, in the world of finance and, and advising? I think the biggest challenge I have is really talking to people, having a conversation, how important finances are to them, and really taking the time. Uh, what I find is more people, and I know you've heard this before, plan for their vacation and put more thought and energy into their vacation than they do for their future. Mm -hmm. And that's my biggest challenge is really to get out there and tell people how important it is really to have a focus um, picture what the retirement looks like. I mean, we're all working so hard to get to a place. um, And that places has to be really thought of. How are you going? What does your picture look like? What Mm -hmm. is your uh, retirement look like? Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you going to be staying home, not going traveling? So I think that's the important challenge I have is really getting out there and say how important it is. I think today's world is so fast paced. We don't really take the time. What does it look like? We work so hard, but what are we working for? And I think Mm -hmm. that's the challenge I have is really getting people to focus on what's important to them. Yeah, and I think that most of us probably don't have that place. When you think about focusing on and picturing in your mind where you want to be, we're all just trying to get through each day. And it's funny because, you know, experts will say or, you know, coaches, um, motivational speakers, take one day at a time, take one moment at a time. And you do have to do that, I think, for your own sanity. But on the flip side, if you're not planning for, you know, what's a couple years out, you're not going to be prepared. No, I agree with you. And I think planning actually takes the stress out of your day-to-day because you know something, at least you've thought about it, whereas, um, yes, taking one day at a time. But sometimes it can get so chaotic that at least if you have a plan, it just makes people be uh, a little bit more at ease. Mm-hmm. When you're going about your day, um, we all can wake up in the morning with a plan. This is what I'm going to do today. And then the texts, the phones, the emails, things start coming at us. And I always find it really interesting. Some people um, thrive on that, and that's how they go about their day. Other people say, in the morning from 10 to noon, I'm going to read my emails. And then from noon to 3, I'm going to um, you know, take care of some billing. Mm-hmm. How do you go about your day? Are you very organized that way, or do you kind of just fly by the seat of your pants? Most of the time, I'm very organized. I try to be very organized. But it's also within that organization, you know, chaos sometimes happens. Right. Um, simple. You're having a presentation. The compute, um, the copier doesn't work. So right. now all of a sudden, you're sitting there and saying, all right, presentation isn't in my color. Now it's going to be black and white. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> so you have those moments. And so it's how do you deal with them? I right. think my whole life I've dealt with chaotic situations. And so what you do is you figure out that it will be okay. You just find another way of doing it. And usually it works out. Yeah. We really do have to be resilient Mm -hmm. in today's world. Things were much, (laughs) I feel so old. Back in the day, it was so much slower and simpler. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we long for the 70s. I know. They're not coming back. They're long gone. Yes. And they're they're not coming back. And they're not coming back. And, you know, technology, I think, is so brilliant and wonderful most of the time. But when it's not working for you, it can be a, a challenge. Yeah. It can be quite a challenge. Yeah. I think it's also, there's so much information out there. It's one of the jobs that I do have is with my clients is to get all the information that's out there and make sense out of it. 
um, years ago, that was one of the, my um, best things that I used to do for my clients is give them information because it wasn't available. Mm-hmm. Now we have so much technology out there that, I mean, people are hearing it every single moment, mm-hmm. you know, and broadcasting what's going on. And people are getting scared. They're nervous. Right. right. So my job is really to focus on what's important to them and try to get all the uh, clutter that's out there and try to make sense out of it for them. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. We sh- so we should remind our listeners that you're with Wells Fargo Advisors now. What year did you uh, join I've been there, there. now uh, almost two years. Two years. Yeah. And um, when you came in, um, do you bring clients from where you were previously, or are you starting brand I'm brand starting new? brand new. And yeah. the reason why is that most of my life was institutions. In other words, I did institutional investments, uh, managed money myself uh, for one of the, the banks uh, in the trust department. So it's a big difference between institutional, which I will call the companies, versus um, individuals. Individuals meaning um, um, dealing with the public, personal, fi- personal, people's right. personal finances. <clears throat> and do you do that on all different levels? In other words, you know, um, different economic backgrounds? Yes. You do? Um, yes. I'll deal with um, individuals, also small business owners, um, men and women, you know, just women. Um, so there's all different levels. Okay. And, you know, I think it's so interesting. We're going to talk um, in the next part of the show about why you've moved slowly into helping women. Um, There's a very specific reason for Mm -hmm. that. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be in the studio again with Deborah Tustin, financial advisor with Wells Fargo Advisors. It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks, and some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330. The Women's Professional Network of Villanova University sponsors and supports programming for all Villanova women in order to encourage professional growth and development. The purpose is to connect women from all five colleges to educate and ignite change. They are thrilled to have this organization to foster creative collaboration with women across all industries. For more information or to offer ideas and suggestions, please contact them at wpn at villanova.edu or visit their website at villanova.edu slash wpn. Go Nova! Do you know Saltz Matkov? Would you like a legal team with over 100 years of experience working for you to defend litigation in the areas of business and contract disputes, employment, transportation and aviation, products and premises liability, intellectual property and construction? We are Saltz Matkov and we can help. From Wall Street to Main Street, we represent Fortune 500 companies and small businesses alike, achieving successful results inside and outside of the courtroom. For a free consultation, contact us at 484-318-7225 
or visit us on the web at saltsmatkov.com. That's S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-T-K-O-V.com. Large firm expertise for a fraction of the cost and with all of the personal attention you need. Serving Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. Call 484-318-7225 or go to saltsmatkov.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're here uh, with Women to Watch and WWDB Talk 860. And I'm in the studio today with Deborah Tustin, who is a financial advisor with Wells Fargo Advisors. And um, right before the break, we were talking about um, Deb's background and, and her journey to how she came to at Wells Fargo. And while I was doing my homework and reading uh, about your bio, you said something that kind of resonated with me. And that was that um, you believe that relationships are at the heart of life. And uh, I I know that you mean relationships are really what drives everything, business, family, um, recreation. Um, I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit and tell me how that pertains to what you do. Well, I think um, in anything, relationships really is the relationships that you make in business um, as you're going through different people that you meet. Um, But I think in my particular business um, is that you really need to have somebody really understand and have that type of relationship. It's not just a one and done type of thing is that you have an ongoing. Uh, It's so important, especially when it comes to your finances, that you feel like you can have somebody that understands you, that really gets you to really understand what's important to you is that, yes, I can sit here and talk about investments all day and say that is, you know, you should be doing this and this and this, but that may not be the right thing for you. Mm-hmm. And so it's so important to understand what's important. And that is that you build um, the relationship so you know um, what's important to that person. Mm-hmm. And it's not just in, in business that I do. It's, it's my, my children's growing up, all the friends. I mean, you have these relationships that last and I think that's what's so important because life is too, so short mm-hmm. that you really need to understand exactly, um, you know, people. And right. I think that's what it all comes down to is right. uh, just people. Right. And you know what that does when you when you take the time to kind of get to know somebody more personally, then there's a trust there. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you'll be able to kind of get to where um, you're looking to go. So let's talk about um, how you transi- transitioned into um, – I, I know why you wanted to focus on women, and you mm-hmm. told us that, you know, that wonderful story about your mom and growing up. And how did you come to um, realize that what you were doing with Wells Fargo and your advising really was going to be beneficial to focus on women? Well, I, I think uh, the transition that I made coming from, let's say, the, the larger companies and going into the um, individual um, clients, so to speak, really came about when I started doing 401ks and sitting down with people. And really, my whole background had always been pension funds, understanding pensions, managing pension funds for people where they had something to rely on. Mm -hmm. When they made the transitions to 401ks, people really were, had to be um, taking care of themselves. And what I found was that people were not taking care of themselves. Again, is that, you know, understanding why is this so important so I made the transition and a, a conscious decision to come over into helping individuals with their finances. So it's been a, a process. But over the summer, over the last you know, like almost two years now with Wells Fargo, is that, yes, I had a lot of different clients. But what I found was that it was the women. 
who really needed the education. And that's really what it's all about is educating, Mm -hmm. where they feel more comfortable um, with their finances because they can use their different uh, things that they're so good at, but they don't think about that. You know, women are really good at multitasking. They're good at communications, but they don't know how to put all the things that they're always good at, even with their normal finances and thinking about investments. They kind of like, oh, well, I don't know that. I'll leave it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So my, we should really start thinking about is how can I get women to really start focusing or feel comfortable uh, with the decisions that they have to make with their 401k. I've heard so many women say, oh, well, I don't understand that. I'm not going to really focus on that. But when you have somebody that can really communicate with you and, and tell you why, or at least educate you, mm-hmm. women can make very good decisions. That's right. That's right. It's it's very empowering to be on top of your own finances, mm-hmm. right? It makes you um, be able to relax with everything else that you're doing mm-hmm. because we all know how stressful it is when our, you know, we're trying to manage our money and we think that we're not kind of yeah, preparing. Women, women are living longer. Mm-hmm. They're living so much longer. Um, Social Security was never meant to be the end all. Um, so people, or at least especially women, have to start focusing on that and taking care of their, themselves as mm-hmm. far as understanding is that when it really comes down to it, they're going to have to really understand this to be able to go forward. Right. T- tell me a little bit about the differences between when you're working with a man versus a woman. Well, little, little things. Uh, women are visual. They like to see things. They have uh, an idea of what they, I ask a man, uh, say, you know, what do you, what are you retiring for? Oh, well, I'm just going to, I want to retire. Well, what, what does that look like? To, they can't articulate what it is, but women can really have a good idea. They'll start saying, oh, well, I want to do this, or I want to do that, or I want to see the grandchildren. You know, men are just really two or three words where women will give you a description so you can have a visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the biggest difference I've seen um, about men and, and women. Uh, women are more concerned about what are the whole picture, whereas men may not be. I mean, both are, they want results. They want to make sure they're going to get to their goals. Mm-hmm. It's just the difference between how you approach them. Mm-hmm. And do you do, do your clients always come to you at, at your place of work, or do you meet with people sometimes in their own uh, homes, their own environment? Sometimes I go to their home. Mm-hmm. It depends on what you know the circumstances. Um, right. Most of the time, it's at my office because mm-hmm. it's uh, I have the tools there. Mm-hmm. Um, but most, you know, sometimes I'll go back to the, their homes if that's what they want. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk. Let's get right into um, the, this wonderful workshop that you're going to oh. be launching <laughs> because I think it's. Um, it really is going to be so valuable to so many people. And um, I think it's going to be an easy way for women to f- have that education without, you know, worrying about um, just perhaps, you know, sitting with you one-on-one, but sitting in a group with other women knowing that they're all kind of in it together. Um, so you decided to create this um, Prosperity Picture Workshop. And I'd like to know how that idea came about. Well, it was a partnership um, with Wells Fargo Advisor and Invesco where they came up with an idea of really what do women want? What do they need? And again, it's the visual. Why do women, um, the education. So that's really how it started is the Wells Fargo is very good as far as women, uh, diversity, making sure that uh, women are educated. So it started with them uh, really trying to get women to what what would be – um, very beneficial for women as far as how would you approach them. So it's in a very small setting, I mean, a very limited group. Uh, women were found that they like to have conversations with other women about their finances, where men don't. 
normally. They don't share. Uh, so it's a very um, small group of maybe 10, 15 women where we sit and we really have conversations about what do you think it's going to be, look like, your picture, you know, picture your fu- uh, future. Mm-hmm. So it came up, Prosperity Picture Workshop. And it's really, we go through, it's a five-step process where you just really get a self-assessment of where you're going. And so you haven't had the first one yet. No, it's coming up. It's coming up. October 25th. Yes. And it's going to be at the Union League. Correct. And so how do women um, register and be a part of it? Well, they can call um, the number, which is um, 215-572-4213, and talk to my um, assistant, Loretta, mm-hmm. and she can put you in. And how are you getting the word out about, about these workshops? Well, it's word of mouth. Some of the women that I do know that I've met, um, also I'm sending out to um, an invitation to some of the business owners, uh, some of the professional women that are around here um, in this area to uh, come. How about social media? Are you using social media to spread the word? Not really. No? No. Okay. It's one of those things that uh, I'm not on Twitter. I'm no. not on Facebook um, compliance reasons, but, um, it's one of those things that we're, we don't usually do social media. Yeah. I just, you know, because a lot of the women that come in here have small businesses and some are full speed, a hundred percent in using Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and others are a little bit apprehensive. Um, what are your views on, you know, the social media and how it can, you know, if we're talking about relationships being at the heart mm-hmm. of everything, um, I think it can be really valuable because you're reaching such a bigger audience um you have that ability i agree with you but you're gonna have to talk to my compliance department (laughs) (laughs) that's okay we won't go there then right it's just one of those things it's um because it is so it's one of the things with our industry Mm -hmm. is you have to be careful right um and so there is compliance what they will allow and what not allow that's right and i understand that right yeah um, I understand that um, some years ago, and maybe you still are involved, you were very involved with the Girl Scouts of yes. America. Tell me how that came about. And was your daughter um, a Girl Scout? Yes, she was. And she had um, her silver and actually was going for her gold. But it's been involved. Um, even my son is an Eagle Scout. So he was in Boy Scouts, and I was his Cub Scout master for a while. Okay. And brought him up um, until he went to the um, Boy Scout level. But the Girl Scouts was just a passion with mine as far as really educating, again, girls, mm-hmm. really getting them to understand, you know, um, it's important for them to have um, mentors to at least get them to the next level. So when my daughter became a brownie, it was one of those things, you go to brownie to uh, juniors. And so I was a scout master up all the way until she was, I guess, in middle school, high school. Mm-hmm. And then I took over the service unit. So I was in charge of all the um, Girl Scout leaders mm-hmm. for Happer Horsham. Right. And, you know, that's such a great organization that it really is. is about, you know, um, helping girls to become leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, what other ways do you think that, you know, a lot of what I do in here is really to kind of reach young girls and have them see women like you that are successful and doing what it is you wanted to do um, relate to you so that they can see that you had challenges and you had self-doubt and you had fears um, what are some ways that you feel um, in your industry we can help young girls to, um, you know, just build that self-esteem and mm-hmm. realize that they, they really don't need to look at everyone else to see what they're doing, that they th- should really look to themselves? Well, I think it's self-confidence is really hard to kind of define or how do you get a girl to. But I think it's the constant mentoring 
And I think it's up to all of us women to mentor either our daughters to get involved. I know we're so busy and so hectic doing everything. But I took the time to be a Girl Scout leader. You know, it's one of those, it's a small little part of it. Uh, Over the um, fall, I was involved with our high school, which I was privileged to be involved with as far as they started a new finance program for the students, which I thought was fabulous. And it's a pilot program where it's, it's going to be on the curriculum soon. But I was there with the classes and trying to get them to understand simple thing was um, your credit score. Why is it so important? And people don't really think about that mm-hmm. when they're in high school. And I said, you're going off to college. It's one of these things that you really have to understand. Your credit starts now. As soon as you start getting any kind of uh, credit or, you know, it will start. And I got so many thank you from the women or the, the young women that were there. And they said, you know, it's the first time that a woman had come to their class. Everybody else were men. But they finally had somebody to look up to and saying, oh, wow, she's in this industry. So right. I thought that was that was really important for me. Yeah. And it was empowering for me to say, wow, that was really important that I was there. Yeah, you're making a difference. You know, we spoke um, at, before the show about the fact that, you know, finance and economics and money really should be taught um, in school. Absolutely. And um, are there any initiatives out there where they're trying to implement that into the curriculum? Well, like I said, our Happer Horsham uh, school district is starting. Um, I think it has to be done a little bit earlier than just getting them in se- juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. It has to be really taught. One of the things I did with the the students, which was they didn't like it very much, but I had them keep a, um, I each gave them a little tablet. I said, I want to keep track of what you're spending because they had no idea. So that simple little thing as far as what are you spending it on? How many times are you going to Starbucks? Are you going into a coffee shop? Are you going to the movies? What are you spending? You know, maybe it's not somebody's giving you money, but really understanding. And that's one thing when you're talking about who mentored me, my father. That was one of the things that he made me do when a very young age is really understanding what I was spending. Yeah. So it starts. None of us like to look at that because if you add up anything (laughs) that you do on a daily basis, it ends up being a lot of money. Well, I think that's that's the awakening factor is that you don't really realize until you put it on paper how much you spend. Yeah. That's a simple little thing to start them as young as possible to um, really understand what they're spending their money on. Right. So then do you uh, support, you know, little kids having allowance? Oh, yes. Uh Yes. I mean, my children were already making money, I guess, when they were in middle school. And they kept track of it. If they wanted something, it was their money that they earned. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, they uh, pets it. They uh, actually, they were so, <laughs> they had little cards, magnets set up for everybody in the neighborhood. So when they were on vacation, they came in and it was like, if you're, what is it? If you're um, away, your dogs were to be taken care of. So they had all the vacation people in our neighborhood and they took care of their dogs and cats. Yeah, well, now they have doggy daycares. and <laughs> Well, absolutely. That's but, a whole new business. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. But it was just like getting them to understand what they were working and right. making money. Right. That's, you know what, my children, um, you know, we talked about them getting jobs as soon as they're old enough to mm-hmm. do it. And what, what I saw was that they, they really enjoyed that um, earning their own money. Mm-hmm. And when they get that first paycheck or $10 bill, whatever it happens to be, that makes them want to, work more right. and get more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's all gives them the, the discipline to know that, yes, I want that, mm-hmm. but it costs so much. And right. so what do I have to do to get that? Yeah. Um, and it's, again, just basic 101 is just really understanding is that you have to, um, if you want something, you work for it. That's right. 
What would you say to to a a woman who perhaps, you know, isn't in a position to attend a workshop right now for Mm -hmm. whatever reason and, you know, can't afford to come to Wells Fargo and sit with an advisor? Mm -hmm. What's a very small thing that she could start doing herself on her own today? I think there's so much information out there. Um, How to start is just really understanding step one is inflow and outflow as far as her money. Um, having a, uh, an idea of what she wants to do with it, you know, being married, single, um, and understanding what her expenses are. And then the, th- the other thing is just putting money aside a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that we learn how to save. Right. We've gotten away from that, is that we are in a credit society mm-hmm. and that we know that we can, you know, just charge it. But I think you have to understand, really understand as far as that if you work, you can only afford this amount. And it's a start. That's the only thing is, you know, and uh, getting more information. I know there's information on my website Mm -hmm. um, that you can go and just get information off there. Right. Do you do um, consults, consultations, maybe Mm -hmm. a single consultation? Or does the work that you do always require kind of an ongoing relationship? Oh, no, I'm always willing willing to uh, at least sit down with somebody and give them a, you know, half hour, an hour consultation at least and get them started. Yeah. Um, do you speak at events? Um, not yet, not but, yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you are going to after this workshop, well, takes after this place. workshop, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's great. I, um, we're going to take one last quick break. And when we come back, I'd love to hear, um, you speak a little bit to our listeners, um, about just advice on, um, how you can manage your day with everything that's going on. We'll be right back. Women's Professional Network of Villanova University sponsors and supports programming for all Villanova women in order to encourage professional growth and development. The purpose is to connect women from all five colleges to educate and ignite change. They are thrilled to have this organization to foster creative collaboration with women across all industries. For more information or to offer ideas and suggestions, please contact them at WPN at Villanova.edu or visit their website at Villanova.edu slash WPN. Go Nova! It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the Mutual Fund Store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your Mutual Fund Store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330. Welcome back, everyone, to Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. I'm sitting with Deborah Tustin, who is an advisor with Well Fargo Advisors, talking all about finance and money and and why it's important uh, for women to really take an interest and and educate themselves um, so that they can be prepared in the future. And um, something that 
Deb mentioned to me on the break was that there's really four cornerstones of wealth, and it might be helpful for us to talk about each one individually to um, kind of visualize, as you said, how all of these four areas affect our lives. And the first one is investments, Um, and that can be incredibly um, overwhelming and confusing trying to determine where you should invest your money. Talk a little bit about that. I agree with you, and I think, again, that's understanding the client you know, as far as uh, what their risk tolerance is, as far as the investments. And there are so many different investments out there. There's short-term, long-term, there's um, stocks, bonds. I mean, we can go on and on about the different. So it helps to have an advisor that can clear at least the um, the products that are out there that can help you be successful. I mean, each product or has a solution, and that solution is different on everyone. And mm-hmm. so it's really understanding what are the different, what are the investments meant to do? And that's the most important thing is trying to get that clear to the, uh, the you know, the person who wants to invest. Um, somebody investing in stocks, if it's an 85-year-old woman, may not want to be in the stock market. You know, that is something that's not going to make her feel comfortable. So although maybe um, looking for the growth for the company, um, you can have the investments, that just may not be the right one for her. Mm-hmm. Tell, explain a little bit more about that. In other words, there's, you know, you can um, invest in mutual funds, um, stocks. How do you determine which type of investing is appropriate for your clients? Is that based on the, the amount of income or is it more based on their lifestyle? What, well, what factors are there? I think that there's a lot of different factors. It's just not one fit-all type Mm -hmm. of idea for investments. Um, I think it's also, again, the education, knowledge, that, yes, I could say this is perfectly safe for you, but it may not be something that somebody else feels comfortable with. And investments are not actually, or doesn't necessarily mean, what it means is what are you going to feel comfortable with? I think that's the most important thing. Okay, so how much are they willing to risk? Right. You know, and that's that's a big part of it, I guess, Mm -hmm. because some people are are quite conservative Mm -hmm. and, you know, just want to go the traditional route. And I would imagine other clients are, you know, just willing to take some chances. And it's not my decision to make what is appropriate for you or for anyone. It's more as what do you feel comfortable? Um, uh, Met a uh, 40-year-old woman the other day, you know, single, but she was very risk adverse and there was, she wanted money markets. And so that's not my decision to make it for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's her decision. That's what she feels comfortable with. So that that's why you get to know someone first before you even right. advise. Yeah. And that's where the education comes in. Right. If you can educate. And I, and what she said basically is if I felt better about understanding, mm-hmm. then I can go forward. Make and until, Right. And so that's where the education comes in again. It's really educating my clients on the different investments and if they feel comfortable with them or not. Okay. Um, let's talk about credit and debt. Well, people don't understand is your mortgages, all your all your debt. You know, there's an interest rate um, associated with that. You know, too much debt, you're paying so much in the interest. You know, uh, it's one of the areas you have to look at. Are you the mortgage? Uh, do you have the right? Um, is it right for you as far as time wise is concerned? You know, paying um, when you're just credit cards or your mortgage and uh, renting. I mean, there's so much to go into that, but. For the cornerstones, as far as understanding, as far as how is that affecting your overall wealth? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're paying too much in credit card debt, that's going to really affect your outcome. Right. And I think what's difficult sometimes is so many things are kind of dangled in front of us, mm-hmm. um, ways to get around, um, you know, money. And that's where people have gotten into trouble over the years. 
um, you know, finding ways to have something that perhaps they don't have the money for today. Mm-hmm. How do you talk to your clients about that? Well, don't do it, right? Sometimes it's, <laughs> don't some, do that. Sometimes it's very difficult. And that's why you have an advisor is that can have those difficult conversations with you. Um, some clients are just, you know, they like to see it in black and white if I can explain it to them in a very realistic, honest manner. Mm-hmm. At least they can understand it and get it. Um, sometimes when sitting down with somebody, um, husband and wife, they may not agree or somebody has a different view. Mm-hmm. So you sit down with them and explain it to them is that, yes, this might be very, and I I can understand why you want to buy that new Corvette, but that's not going to help you get to your retirement that right. you want. <laughs> so it's these conversations that we have. And, right. then, and then you'll sit back and say, okay, yeah, maybe I don't really need this car, but I really like it. I, I, do, I agree with you. It's a wonderful car. I love it. But it's not going to get you to your retirement. Right. That, that's got to be a little tricky for you, I would At know, times it does. Of, yeah. But then meanwhile, the wife's saying, yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so do you prefer sitting with couples or individuals one-on-one? Or does it, you know, it doesn't well, matter? It doesn't really make any difference. But I think when I'm advising a couple, it's important that they're both there, is right. they both hear the conversation, that they're both understanding what I'm saying, right. that it's just not, oh, well, she said this or I said that, yeah. you know, well, you didn't hear that. So they're both there in the room. And I've actually gotten some couples that have been so engaged, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Whereas, in other words, a wife uh, brought them in and said, I really need you to kind of help me to have my husband really understand what's going on. So it was very, very beneficial to have both of them there at the time. Yeah. You're almost like a psychologist sometimes, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, so the third um, cornerstone is is risk management. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It's really protection. Risk management is really understanding. Insurance is really a risk um, managing tool is how are you putting uh, life insurance. Um, you're legacy you know what is your who are you going to leave um, your heirs so to speak so that's part of the um, the risk area is that are your uh, assets going to be protected are you going to be able to preserve them so you use that tool to help it and would you recommend to to families you know in speaking about that you know heirs and what's going to be left that the children Mm -hmm. typically that's who it is um, should also be involved and aware with what the finances are of the parents. It, it depends on the age of the child, of course. Right, you know, I mean, right. if they're older, what I do is I have um, what we called for your loved ones. And I actually have a whole advisory um, session or not, um, I guess it's a booklet that I give the children to give to their parents if they're older to have them fill it out and say, okay, fine, this is where the records are. This is where the safe deposit box is. And so they have that conversation. So I help the children, adult children, have a conversation with their older parents. And then the older parents are very happy to say thank you because then this way at least they don't have to worry about it is that somebody – and it gives the – the children a peace of mind that Mm -hmm. they know exactly where everything is we've had the talk with mom and dad and now it's okay fine where are all the things that we need to know um how are they how do they want to be taken care of simple thing i know a lot of people don't like to talk about it but Mm -hmm. how are they going to be what are their wishes to be buried you know and i'm having a lot of conversations now because most of my clients their parents are older they're in their 80s and it's comforting to them to say okay fine now my daughter my son is going to take care of me the way I want to. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful conversation that we seem to be having more today than we did many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of 
you know, it is uncomfortable. It's a very tough thing. You're, you know, your parents are kind of taking care of you your whole, whole life, and then all of a sudden you turn around and you're having to mm-hmm. help them. That's tough for them. Um, but so to be able to have these conversations openly, again, it just takes some of that stress away, the yeah. worry. Well, I think that's the whole part of having an advisor is that it's so holistic. It's just not investments. It's just not bonds. Right. It's, it's, it is it's looking picture. at the big picture of what's so important to you and your family. Okay. And the fourth cornerstone is, I'm not sure what TE stands for, but well, fiduciary. It's the trust. In other okay. words, what kind of uh, trust are you setting up or the, um, um, I guess, more of the transition? How are you going to transition um, your wealth or, right. you know, what you've worked so far for? Right. Well, I think, you know, all of this stuff is so very practical and very important. And um, I love that you're kind of focusing on the women because, you know, historically, you know, men were kind of in charge of that area. Um, do you have any other plans for anything in addition to the workshops that that you'd like to do as far as advising? Well, I've talked to um, having a, like a book club mm-hmm. and having a monthly book club as far as in our area, um, in the Willow Grove, Jenkintown area, that women can just come and talk about a book. There's a couple of really great books out there about investing, so they can just get knowledge. Um, Would they be really discussing the book or, or drinking wine and cheese and crackers? <laughs> I know a lot of book clubs out there. That well, <laughs> no, they'll be discussing the book. They'll That's be discussing what, right. the book. If we, afterwards, you know, who knows? Right. <laughs> no, I think that's great. You know, when you bring, you said earlier in the show, you know, when women really prefer to sit down and talk in a conversation like mm-hmm. you and I are, and things are learned, lessons are learned, that really is educating. Um, where men prefer more the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of direct approach, more um, academic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that is? Just by nature, I guess. Women I think are- women are more nurturers, you know, in their nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and not all women, believe me. Not no, all women There's are always like exceptions. That. Yes. Always. Um, but it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to, um, I think that's one of the reasons why women have been so lacking in the, getting the knowledge or the education is it was never, and I'm even surprised to this day that women still don't have that. I've met some very successful women, and it's not that they don't understand it. They just don't have the time yeah. because they're doing so many other things to worry about that. And my message is really is you need to take the time. It's important. It's really important. It's really important. Um, what advice would you give to the listeners who um, are women who um, are looking for that next phase in their life? They might be... Um, mothers who, you know, the children are, are off to college now and, um, you know, they're looking to see what what their next step is going to be. Um, you really had um, a vision for what you wanted to do and you're doing it and that's fantastic. And sometimes I think women are a little bit apprehensive. Um, they don't have that belief in themselves that they can go out and do what it is they want to do, whether it's working for a corporation mm-hmm. or starting their own business at home. What advice would you have for those women? The only advice I can say is go with your heart. You know, really, um, I know it's easy to say, but I think if you believe in yourself and just go for it. I mean, I have such a tenacity at times that mm-hmm. I, people don't usually say no to me. Usually it's, it's one of those things that I will try to, to do whatever. Right. And I think that's even with the fundraising, you know, that I've gone through and the Girl Scouts and I've taught even my girls to do that, you know, right. as far as in the troops, is that you have nothing to lose. I mean, what somebody's going to say no to you, 
And so you just say, okay, try again. Move on to the That's next right. thing. Right. Yeah. So I don't let things hold me back. Yeah. But I, you know, I would imagine that that, you know, everything always goes back to the beginning and you were in a very unique situation. Again, um, mom and dad divorced. You're the oldest of five and you had to really be responsible. And so you learned from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's so interesting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone, but it's it's one yeah. of those things that it's, and I think that is that you do have a responsibility at a very young age, and that really shapes you. Right. Um, so it didn't. I think it did make a big difference in my life. Yeah. And I don't regret it. I mean, it's. I mean, because it is who I am. Well, it was difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, we all go through difficult things, but if we always learn, you know, come out uh, with a lesson learned, mm-hmm. then you know we can't regret. You know, those things. Right. No, I think life is just too short. That you really do have to, and we're living a lot longer. So, we are. you know, somebody saying, okay, they're retired, their kids are, you know, off to, you know, college and mm-hmm. they're in their 50s and 60s. And women, I say, go for it. You yeah. know, I mean, you have nothing, you'd be living to 100. So, yeah. I mean, you've wasted all that time That's thinking right. about not doing something. That's right. It's never, ever too late. Never. Look at me. That's I right. always say. <laughs> Look I'm at me. I'm only it's beginning never... <laughs> the first half of my second, my second half, right? And I agree with you. And I think that's yeah. the attitude that you have to have is that, and it, even if it doesn't work out, you pick yourself back up that's and right. try again and you, you right. go on to something else. That's and right. I think that's always been my motto yeah, that's is that I never let anything hold me back is I just try and say, okay, fine. That's, we'll do something else. Yeah. You know. That's that's terrific. Um, believe it or not, we're we're getting to the end of the show, and uh, I'd love for you to give your contact information for people that are listening that that want to get in touch with you. And- yeah, I mean, I'll give advice to anybody, any of your listeners that want to call me, um, okay. and happy to help any woman out there. And I that's think that's terrific. the most important thing. Okay. And ha- what's the best way to get in touch with you? Is it a website or an email? Well, they can go on the website, which is uh, Deborah.Tustin. Mm-hmm. I think you can just Google me or LinkedIn me, and you can figure where I am. Right. Um, but it's uh, Deborah.Tustin at Wells Fargo Advisors. Okay. And uh, my telephone number is 215-572-4243, and that's my direct number. Okay. And they can reach me anytime. Great. And I just wanted to mention one more time the the Union League um, of Philadelphia, which is down on South Broad Street, um, October the 25th from 3.30 to 5.30. Um, Deborah will be hosting the workshop, the the Prosperity Picture Workshop. So if you are interested in that, please get in touch with Deborah. And I think it would be really worthwhile for, for any women out there, whether you're working out of the house or not. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So great show, Deborah. Oh, thank, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so glad you came in today. And um, we'll be following up and keeping a watch on, on where the workshops go from here. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB. Talk 860. Again, my name is Sue Rocco. And if you'd like to get in touch with me to um, ask a question of any one of my guests, feel free to give me a call at 215-313-5561. Thanks so much, everyone, and have a great week.